Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast bringing you true crime from around the world. Hi, I'm your host, Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Okay, hi Islanders, how are you going? Well, last episode was not a pleasant one at all, if any true crime cases could be pleasant. I guess they're more on a spectrum from understandable crime to absolutely abhorrent crimes. Well, we had another parent take the life of his daughter and himself again last week. Now I said, I think I said, it won't be the last time this sort of thing will happen, and I was sure that's not going to be the last time either. Now, I was talking to Tara from Bloody Murder about this the other night and also to Tony, one of the moderators and contributors to the island, about coercive control. Now, Laura Richards, who is an international expert on domestic violence, stalking, sexual violence, homicide and risk assessment, she defines coercive control as a strategic pattern of behaviour designed to exploit, control, create dependency and dominate. The victim's everyday existence is micromanaged and their space for action as well as potential as a human being is limited and controlled by the abuser. So thanks for all the feedback and case suggestions. I think rather than go over so many of the cases one by one, it may be better to go over the topic of coercive control in a broader manner. It may actually help someone out there see the signs before it's too late. Anyway, that will be coming up in a future episode. This week's episode is a case that happened in the mid-90s. It in itself contained controlling elements, but the crimes were perpetrated on persons unknown. So, references tonight are from court records. Uh, The Brisbane Times, Sydney Morning Herald, The Daily Mail, news.com.au, privateci.org and The Courier Mail. Okay, so this week's case is set in the Ipswich area in Queensland in the mid-90s. Over an eight-month period, several women were snatched from the street and brutally raped. The perpetrator of these attacks was Troy Allen Burley, born on the 8th of January 1978. In Bundaberg, he was very well known as a boxer. He had a good name. His picture was often in the paper. He'd even been considered for Olympic selection And he had no trouble at all finding girlfriends. Despite having all that going for him, he spent most of his adult life in prison. And what I find remarkable is that he had no criminal history until these attacks. Now, from what I could gather, Burley didn't have the greatest of upbringings. He may have been molested when he was young. He said at age 11 or 12, he was sexually abused while staying in a caravan in Bundaberg the perpetrator being an old man in the caravan park who'd befriended him. Now, this will be reflected in his eventual sentencing, but we'll get to that bit later. So Burley, he's good-looking, fit, popular bloke, has girlfriends, a possible Olympic Games athlete, develops this voyeurism fetish. Now, he goes out to watch, to look, and to perv on women. And, okay, so we all probably have a bit of a look, that's normal. But Burley took it further. He didn't just want to look. Now, he did start off 
just looking. But then over the course of, say, a day or two, looking, perving, whatever you call it, that just wasn't enough. Burley would start fantasizing about these women he was looking at. And urges built up inside of him, and he would start planning on how he could take these women and have his way with them. Now, the first of his victims would be attacked at a caravan park. Funny enough, a similar setting to that where he said he was abused as a child. But the following three occurred near railway stations, giving him the nickname the Railway Rapist. So I'll go through each of these attacks. Now, I am heavily using court records here. And as usual, I do edit for flow and I will also tone down some of the detail. I think we all know the extent of these attacks without having to mention absolutely everything. Victim number one. Well, she was a 22-year-old single English woman residing at a caravan park at Bundaberg. At about 5.30am on the 28th of October 1995, she went to a nearby toilet block. Burley had followed her into the toilet block and used a knife to force her into two shower cubicles. He committed six offences upon this woman, being deprivation of liberty, indecent assault, attempted rape, indecent assault with a circumstance of aggravation, forcing her to perform sexual acts, indecent assault and attempted intercourse and rape. Now, physical injuries suffered by her included bruising to the neck and chest, grazed lips, blood between the legs and grazes and lacerations on her vagina as well. The knife was used by Burley throughout the sexual assault, accompanied by threats to kill. These events transformed her from a carefree young woman who'd confidently travel around the world to a person afraid to be alone and constantly battling irrational fears. Then there was victim number two. She was a 22-year-old typist on her way to work. As she approached the pedestrian overpass to the Gales Railway Station at about 6.30am on the 11th of April 1996, Burley grabbed her from behind. Now this is six months after the attack at the caravan park. Burley dragged her at knife points towards bushes saying, Slut, bitch, follow me. You better act as my girlfriend or I'll slit your throat. He pushed her towards a fence and then onto the ground as she resisted. Now she screamed for help and a man responded and Burley fled. Now this attack would ultimately be charged as attempted rape. Burley also committed the offence of grievous bodily harm. The woman had tried to get away from Burley and grappled with him when he was holding the knife. He struck her with the knife on her hands and arms. Now, she pushed the knife away from her throat with her hands and in doing so, she suffered scarring and permanent tendon damage to her thumb and being a typist, well, it did affect her career. She underwent two operations and her physiotherapy was ongoing. So this attack was the first at a railway station and it had been planned over a couple of days. He's clearly developing an MO. He cases an area that may be suitable. Wait for a time when there will be some women around, not peak hour. Approach from behind and threaten with a knife. Now the first attack at the caravan park for Burley was successful. The second attack he had to flee after the woman's screams for help attracted attention from passers-by. Still, after a close call like that, only six weeks later, Burley would attack again. Victim number three. 
Now, this woman was aged 18 years when at about 11.35am on the 28th of May 1996, she left the train at Ebbvale Railway Station to walk towards her home. She followed a concrete pedestrian path when Burley ran from behind, seized her and covered her eyes with one hand and pressed a knife to the right side of her throat saying words to the effect, Don't scream or I'll kill you. He forced her from the path she was following and into a grassy area some five metres away. Over a period of some 40 minutes, he committed multiple offences. Now, I'm not going to go into each of them in detail, but there were three separate rapes. Four separate charges of indecent assault with circumstance of aggravation, and I'm not going to go into detail about that, but it is horrific. Two charges of indecent assault being for undressing the victim and using her own dress to blindfold her, then kissing both breasts and pushing a knife against one breast, and the other indecent assault being forcing her to masturbate him. There was a charge of common assault, where after performing sex acts on her, he spat in her mouth and made her swallow his saliva. And there was also a charge of stealing. So he went through her purse and he stole about 130 to 135 bucks. Now, back in the day, that was probably a week's wage. Now, Burley, while going through his victim's wallet, read out her name and address. The physical injuries suffered by her including, included a bite to the neck, superficial lacerations all over her body except her face, marks from the knife on her neck, throat and breast, and redness and tenderness between the legs. At some stage, Burley wrote down her telephone number and some months later, the paper with her telephone number on it was still in his wallet. Now this would prove to be a fatal mistake by Burley. And there's victim number four. This victim was a 42-year-old woman who was a university student and a mother of children. At around 11.45am on the 25th of June 1996, she alighted from a train at Ebbvale Railway Station and began to walk along a path beside the train line to catch a bus. She intended to cross an overhead bridge And when about 10 metres from the bottom of the stairs to that bridge, Burley seized her from behind, placing his cupped hand hard against her nose and mouth, and at the same time holding a knife against her neck. She was forced at knife point to walk into an abandoned industrial shed not far from the railway station. Apart from the knife, he continued to hold his hand over his victim's mouth, causing her to hyperventilate such that she believed she was going to faint. She tried to pull his hand away from her mouth in order to get a breath, but he struck her several times across the face and ears and threatened to kill her. He tied her jumper around her head so that she couldn't see what was going on. Now her ordeal at the hands of Burley lasted again, about 40 minutes. During this time, he committed the following offences. Three separate rapes while in the shed. Assault with intent to rape. Now, this occurred before she reached the shed. Two offences of indecent assault, each with a circumstance of aggravation. Indecent assault, when she was forced to masturbate him using both hands. Stealing. Again, Burley stole $80 from her bag during the time when his victim was being subjected to the attack. Now, Burley said to him, get this, 
Tell me where you live. If you lie, I will check your driver's license and I'll go and get your kids. You don't know what I'm going to do to your kids. I would enjoy having sex with some little girls. I mean, this is enough to keep him inside forever. But we will go on. Now, the victim believed what he said. Why, Why wouldn't she? Her physical injuries included three lacerations to her neck, cuts to the inner and outer arms and to her hands and wrists, scratches to her knees, at least nine linear lacerations below her breast, and that was caused by the knife, injury to an eye and cheek, and tenderness and pain in the genital area. So these rapes and attempted rape, they were all reported to police. Now, a sketch of the rapist was released to media, and from what I gather, Burley's father saw it and thought it was his son. But he wouldn't get caught by the photo in the paper. He got caught because of the way he would force his victims to divulge their names, phone numbers and addresses. With victim three, he wrote her details down on a piece of paper and he put it in his wallet. Now, months later, Burley's girlfriend was going through his things when she came across this piece of paper. Now, jealous, she decided to call the woman up thinking she was having an affair with her boyfriend. Now, on answering the phone, Burley's victim must have been so stunned, confused, probably terrified. You can imagine Burley's girlfriend accusing this poor woman of having an affair with him, the person who brutally raped her. But it was just so far from the truth. The woman, however, kept her cool and found out who Burley was and where he was staying. Now, once Burley's girlfriend got off the phone, she called police and they arrested him. Burley strenuously denied responsibility for any of the charges to which he ultimately would plead guilty. The evidence against him was overwhelming. In the case of each of the three rape victims, he was identified by DNA evidence. The spermatosa found in each victim was his. In addition, he'd kept the telephone number of one of the victims, which led to him being caught, of course. Now, two of the victims had been raped at or near railway stations frequented by Burley. Gales and Ebbvale Station are on the Brisbane-Ipswich rail line, and that's how he used to go to work. In addition, Burley's girlfriend had observed his disappearance at the same time when the last rape had occurred and his dishevelled and dirty appearance soon afterwards. Now, as I mentioned before, Burley was born in 1978. He was only 17 and a half years old at the time of the first rape was committed and he was 18 years old at the time when he attacked each of the other victims and he had no prior criminal history. So yeah, he denied everything at the start but then he had to plead guilty to what would be 26 charges. Now, Burley would tell his psychologist that although he was obviously sexually aroused during the assault, he said it was not really a pleasant kind of arousal. He felt scared and at the same time stimulated in a strange way by the assault. Once it started and the women did what he said, he said he'd calmed down and it was easier. He said that the offences took a fairly similar course, and that in between assaults, he hid the knife in a toilet 
between the wall and the ceiling where he knew his girlfriend couldn't reach. Now, he denies planning this event or any of the events in any degree. But when questioned, indicated that he had thought about it for a few days beforehand. He said he thought about going out and looking at people. That, you know, voyeurism, having a perv. And that his thoughts went from there and he then started thinking about raping somebody. For about two days, he had thoughts about how he would go about it and planned how he would approach the women from behind and put his hand over their mouth and all that. As the motivations, this psychologist recorded that Burley said he really doesn't know why the assaults occurred. He said he's asked himself a hundred times and can't really come up with an answer. He said it was not to do with the sexual frustration in that he never had any trouble getting girlfriends and he could have any girl he wanted. I think he's trying to minimise his effect on this. I think it wasn't he could have any girl he wanted. He just wanted to take any girl off the street. Now, he would only get 16 years on his head sentence. You know, he's been charged with these multiple things. He might get one year for this, two for this, five for this, eight for this, whatever. But the head sentence, that's the worst crime was for 16 years now there were discounts being applied for his young age his childhood (laughs) the way he was brought up as a kid and the early plea of guilty however this would be appealed and he would end up with a 20-year sentence with a 10-year non-parole period the appeal judges mentioned that the 10-year non-parole period would at least give prisons the prison system ample time to see if he was able to rehabilitate. Then on May the 11th, 2010, Burley was released on parole. However, in April of 2011, that's less than a year, he was arrested and taken into custody for very concerning offences, including possessing dozens of pairs of women's underwear. Now, I don't think he went down to Best and Lest or Kmart and bought them. So you know where they came from. So the prison system, they had ample time to see if he'd been rehabilitated. But Burley, once a pervert, always a pervert. But that's not all. They threw him back in prison and again, he was released on parole in February of 2015. Now this was five years before the end of his full sentence. But it didn't take long for Burley to be arrested for going on dating sites, meeting women and not disclosing what his sexual offender status was to these women as per his parole conditions. Burley used at least four online dating sites and lied to women about his brutal rapes and crimes. He used the name Troy Allen and his profile read in part that he was a very passionate man who would treat a lady well. Now, dating sites, I don't believe any of the profiles... (laughs) They're probably all 90% bullshit. But we're talking about a rapist here. So he also said he was into casual encounters. Well, we know that. And he's also into seeing what happens. And I think we all know what happens if Burley has a casual encounter with you. As I said before, he contacted quite a few women and would lie about his past and career and told the women that he despised rapists. 
He particularly visited sites that featured older ladies. Now, I don't know if because of his the fact he'd been in prison so long, there's fuck all chance of him getting a decent job. So he might have been looking to becoming a sugar boy for some rich spinster or divorcee. I mean, a serial rapist that's only spent a year of his adult life out of prison is hardly someone you'd want to employ in a top-paying job. Now, government ministers, of course, they were pissed off about Burley having such access to computers and smartphones and using them to access social media and online dating sites. And it's funny how government ministers and all that lot will just get so irate when something catches them out in the media, something that they've probably had lobby groups banging on their door for years about. So Burley, he goes back inside, but then seeing seeing as he can't continue his offending outside, he turns to offending inside the prison walls. Burley targeted a first-time prisoner of about 21 years of age at the Wollstone Correctional Centre. Now, this was starting in May of 2018. He had this young guy so terrified of being bashed that he would keep his door unlocked. This is the young guy would keep his door unlocked because to lock it meant a bashing. Now, the problem was that Burley made this guy his sex toy. On one occasion, Burley raped him while watching Prince Harry and Meghan, Meghan Markle get married on the TV. He raped the guy in the same manner as he'd raped his previous victims. There was biting, forced oral sex and masturbation. The victim told the court that he was terrified of Burley and that there were nights when he cried himself to sleep. He said the impact is traumatic and widespread. I was extremely trapped in the situation that I just didn't know how to get out of it. I was used as a sex object and exploited. I've never felt so scared of anyone as I was of him. His actions were calculated, predatory and violent and will leave an everlasting indent on me for the rest of my life. Now, Burley controlled all aspects of his victim's life in prison and the emotional scars are probably going to last forever. Burley was sentenced to another seven years in prison for those rapes and sexual assaults on that inmate. Burley's earliest release will be around February 2027. Now, this scum, this rapist scum, obviously has shown that he can't be trusted out in the community. His sentence will count down and there won't be any choice other than to release him. He was originally charged with three brutal rapes and another attempted rape, all in all for those attacks They comprised of 28 charges. And he made sure he got the details of his victims so that they not only had to survive the attack itself, but then they got to fear that he would come and get them or their children at some other time. That would be absolutely terrifying. Then when he did get out, he stole undies from who knows where. I just couldn't find out if he broke into houses or just stole them off the washing line. He then goes back in, and when they again let him out, he starts getting online dating with women and these apps. They don't care who the fuck you are. Rapist, murderer, child trafficker. They just want you on their site. So he was able to hook up without the women having any idea what he was. 
a fucking rapist. Then he goes back inside and then terrorises an inmate and makes him his sex toy and rapes the guy while watching Harry and Meghan get married on TV. Now, he has been bashed in prison, and that was when the faulty locks to the prison yard led to inmates getting in and giving him a good going over. So by 2027, he'll be about 50 years old, having basically spent 30 years inside. He'll be on the street, and what's there to stop him from reoffending? He's shown no rehabilitation at all. In fact, he's shown the opposite. Now, these types often escalate their violence and women end up dead. I think we all need to set our alarms for February 2027 and try and keep this freak inside. You know, 2019, he had a partner for 10 years. A partner? What the fuck? I don't know if she still is his partner, but what the fuck is wrong with your head? So, Islanders... Just another time bomb ticking away towards 2027. Well, so, Islanders, it's so difficult to segue into the end of the show sometimes. I get so worked up. But that is the end of this episode. There is a Missing in Michigan event coming up towards the end of May. I will be doing the video again this year for them, and I'll keep you up to date with that. Also, you may know Nina from Already Gone Podcast. Well, she's also heavily involved in the Missing in Michigan event, and there is a Facebook group you can check out. But Nina just launched her YouTube channel, and if you've been following her on Facebook for the last year or so, you would have seen her quarantinis, her cocktails to get you through lockdown. Well, the first two episodes are on her channel at the moment. They're both cocktails. So check it out and subscribe because I'm sure she's going to mix it up with some true crime content on there in the future. Now, my YouTube channel is just in a break at the moment while I do reorganise a few things. So I'll let you know once Season 2 is coming. So before I go, a big shout out to all my patrons. Thank you for your support. It really does keep the lights on as generally this is a commercial-free podcast. And special thanks to my new patron, FTP. And if everyone on my patron, I'll do an update in this week on all the rewards and all that when I'll be sending them out and when I'll be contacting you. Now, if you'd like to help out, just go to patreon.com forward slash truecrimeisland or maybe you just want to buy me a beer. So you can shout me out one on paypal.me forward slash truecrimeisland. There are links to merch, social media and my YouTube channel on my website truecrimeisland.com and you can email me from there if you like. It's always best to email me if you've got a suggestion or whatever. So... I've been your host, Cambo. You've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say, don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night. Boom, fuck a lunga. Bye.